Welcome to Micah Bradford Connected, where we bring together hope and information to help support your life. Join us on this journey in connecting the dots and finding answers to your most challenging health issues. So, let's connect, where no topic is off limits. Common interests prevail, but opinions don't always align. This is Micah Bradford Connected. Connected with Micah Bradford. I am so happy to have a guest who I have known for over two amazing decades, uh, my dear friend, Shelly Hendricks McLaughlin, and she is the founder and president of Unlocking Autism, an autism nonprofit that was started back in 1999 that was a leader in everything from innovating the way that we looked at autism, accessibility, pulling families together, connecting families across the country and across the world with one another to glean support and inspiration in how to help our families and how to help the children that we love so dearly. So I am excited today to welcome Shelly and to share a little bit about her journey. And today there's so many things that we can talk about and we're going to have her back as a regular guest. But today we're going to talk about how she was able to support her son Liam into a path of employment that many people probably didn't think was possible and the work and dedication and to see where he is today. So at this time, Shelly, I just welcome you to Connected and so happy to have you. Thank you so much. This is so fun to do this. I know. It's kind of bizarre to think that after so many decades to see the opportunities where our paths consistently intertwine and we're given the opportunity to make a difference and help people, encourage people. And you and I both are no stranger to trauma and turmoil. And as moms, as women who have been divorced and parents of children with complex medical needs, it's been a gift to not only be friends, but to be able to bring messages of hope to so many people. So tell everyone a little bit about Liam and what he wanted to do for work and where he started out, what his exceptions, limitations, and gifts were when you started this journey of believing that he could secure independent employment. So he was initially diagnosed in April of 1998 um, we started noticing that something wasn't quite right in the summer of 1997. There was a really abrupt change. He had been developing normally, and then all of a sudden, everything just changed. It took us until April to kind of find out what was going on. I've never been this quiet mother, especially when it comes to um, my kids and their health. So, you know, if they told me to come back in two weeks for another screening, I was like banging on the door. <laughs> I'm like, we're here. We're Let's keep this going. And um, and so we got a diagnosis very, very quickly. We did through specialists working with him and concentrated to find specialists that would work with him that would speak life into his situation because the first person who diagnosed him told us that he would never be able to do anything. He would never be able to speak. We needed to just give up and we needed to embrace it, put him on medication and start looking for a facility that would be a good facility for him in the future to live in yeah. um, with our lives. It's so scary to think that there are so many parallels for you and I both, that that was the message we were both given. 
Um, and Liam, so Jacob is 24. How old is Liam now? He's, he's getting ready to turn 24 at the end of this month. Yeah, that's what I thought. And so it's very interesting that the time frame, even with y'all being in Louisiana yeah. and us being in Texas, that the message was very similar at that period of time. And I, I think what's so frustrating for me now, even with all of the work that all of us have done as a community and all of the awareness that's been raised, I was speaking with the mother of a daughter who's four years old. And she was given the exact same prognosis halfway around the world from where we are now. And so I think this is really timely. And I think this is important because I know when he was a little baby, um, I just, I was just so overwhelmed with all the emotions that go with an initial diagnosis. And we you know, where did we mess this up? What has happened? We don't understand what this even is. And, um, and so to be able to find some older moms that I was able to hear messages of hope from, those were the ones that I kind of clung to. And also older individuals that had autism themselves who sort of acted like uh, autism Sherpas for our family <laughs> to help get us where we needed to go and give us a vision for what we wanted to do. So, and the first couple of years were very rocky and very rough and, and he was pretty um, intense. And then he started to just slow and steady improve, um, but he was still struggling. And by the time he was 13 years old, so 10 years had gone by, you know. And, and what did that look like when you say, so for the 10 years that went by, give, give our listeners a perspective of where was he at with communication uh, when diagnosed and then the progression of were we talking that he could tell you label things? Was he able to tell you he was hungry, he needed to go to the bathroom? At what point did you see him cross the threshold of being able to interact in a broader array? He initially, he had a lot of words and he had joint attention and he would imitate things that we were doing. I mean, he was, you know, if you gave him a command and said, go get your shoes, he'd walk over and pick his shoes up and bring his shoes back over to me or whatever. So he was, you know, everything was fine. All that disappeared. He was left with two words which were no for everything and ball. And so the no sort of disguised what was going on for a while because we were like, well, he's just getting ready to turn two and that's what two-year-olds do. It's a terrible twos and he's just saying no to everything. And then some family friends pointed out that that might want to double check that. And then the daycare told us the same thing. And then we did a number of things with him biomedically. We, it made sense to me with what he had going on, there were things that we could control as a family. And one of the things that we could control as a family was improving his nutrition, which I hadn't realized how bad his nutrition had gotten and how selective he'd gotten with his food. Um, so that was one of the things that we changed early on, both macro and micronutrition. So we added some vitamin supplements in for things that he wasn't getting and, and tried to broaden his diet. And that helped tremendously. We introduced a about 15 hours a week of ABA because that's all we could afford at the time. And we did speech therapy and occupational therapy. And we found that when we added speech and occupational therapy at the same time, we had a real synergistic effect. That, that was a summer where he had a lot of growth when we were doing that. Mostly because I was tired to go into therapy. <laughs> so, so I combined them. So, and, and then he went into school and our family dynamics changed and I had to go back to work. And so the therapy and the things that we were able to do with him sort of dropped off significantly and very quickly. And we kind of were relying on whatever we were able to get through school. 
and his vocabulary had begun to grow. And then when he was about seven, he was driving me crazy one weekend. It was Labor Day weekend. And he was literally driving me crazy because he kept walking around saying red circle, green stick, red circle, green stick, red circle, green stick. Stop saying that. I know I've prayed for you to talk, but please quit saying red circle, green stick. And finally, I couldn't take it anymore on Labor Day around noon. And I took him outside and I put him in the car. I got to the end of the street and I said, which way? And he pointed to the left. So I drove to the left. And then I drove down to the next intersection and I said, which way? And he kept pointing and I drove, I wound up driving all the way across town. What would have been a 15 minute drive took us almost 45 minutes because we were going so slow. And then I saw the red circle and uh, it was a target. He wanted to go to target. So we got to the target parking lot and I was just a disaster. My face, I'm just like <sighs> crying and carrying on. and. We get out of the car and I grabbed his little hand because he was very fast. And I grabbed his hand and we ran as fast as we could and he ran me all the way back to the dairy section and he grabbed this box of yellow jello tubes, I mean green jello tubes that were 100% not on his diet and I bought three boxes of them and we went home and ate green jello tubes because I just couldn't believe he had communicated all of that to me to tell me what he wanted and to help me get him where he needed to go to stop saying red circle green stick. And that's amazing to me because it reinforces one of the guests that I've had, Dr. Deanna Linick, on, and we've talked about the extent of how so often our loved ones, our children are trying so hard to communicate and that, that if we take just that extra measure of time that in our busy lives where we're all going against the clock and we have meetings and time frames that we're running against, that if we take the time to pause and listen, that so often they're trying to convey something to us, whether it's through broken verbal language or just using the details or the attributes or adjectives of something. And I think that's miraculous. And kudos to you for having the wherewithal. I think I'm pretty on it most of the time, but I don't know if I could have said that I would have thought to get in the car and say, which way? That was pretty ingenious. So that's exciting. That sounds good and all, but basically I was like, had had it. I had had it with the conversation because it had been going on for 72 hours and I just needed it to stop. I was like, I needed to find what the thing was. The red circle and green (laughs) stick. You know, I knew that he might be able to somehow do that. And I just was like, we're just going to go on faith. We're going to drive five miles an hour all the way across Baton Rouge, Louisiana, until we find out what's red. Okay, so that happens. So So that happens. and, um, And then once I realized how cognizant he was of his environment driving around while he was strapped in the car, that's when we would work on conversational language the most because, you know, you can point out things and try to get them to mimic different things that they see when they're going past. And, um, and I would ask him, which way do we go now? So that I could see if he was paying attention to normal routes that we took or anything like that. And of course we would change stuff up just from let's mess with Liam today. We're going to go a different way. So one day uh, he was about 13 years old and 
when he was 13 and I would bring him to school, I still had to hold his hand to bring him into class because if I just dropped him off, there was no guarantee that he wouldn't walk to Florida or run to Florida. So this is sad, but I didn't feel like the school that we were dropping him off at was competent to make sure that he would get to class. So I would just make sure I walked him into class. So we're going past a McDonald's. I pointed at it and said a sentence, which wasn't, but still at that time was still pretty rare. And he said, I want to work there. And I said, Liam, that's going to be really hard for you to work there because you don't stay inside a building. He said, I want to work there. And I had grown up, you know, when I was 16, I got my first job at the Burger King that was across the street and I was more familiar with Burger King and big fan of Burger King. So I said, well, what about the Burger King? And he was like, nope, boys work at McDonald's. And his dad had worked at McDonald's for, you know, summer club in 1987. He was working at McDonald's and I was working at Burger King. So he just was intent on it. And every time, every day we would go past that, he would say, I'm going to work at that McDonald's. I'm going to work at that McDonald's. And I was just nauseous because I was thinking, there's no way you're going to, how are you going to work at that McDonald's? I can't even fathom this. And then we started working on stuff at home and we started doing, you know, I tell younger families all the time that life skills lead to job skills. So I knew that because of my work in the fast food industry, I, <laughs> I learned the different jobs that they would probably be assigning to him. So I taught him how you know, this is how you wipe off the tables. This is how you pick up stuff off the table in a sanitary way. This is how you pick stuff up off the table and also don't eat it before you throw it in the trash. You got to learn that. I love that. Okay. So, so not only are we, we always, and you're correct, having to worry about um, teaching the skills or the pre prerequisite skills that are needed for a job, but then the things that we don't think about that when you're working at a restaurant and it's not your food or yeah. right. you or, don't get to finish my French fries, buddy. Exactly. So, you know, um, but they're good. I understand that, but those are my French fries and now you have to throw them away and you know, great sorrow because who wants to throw French fries away? No one, but it happens. So we've got to be able to do that. I would send him outside. I had to do this job with a supportive friend. We got him a little sweeper, like a dustbin and a little broom, and um, sent him outside to sweep the leaves up in the front yard just to practice going outside and sweeping up. And my job was to not barf on the other side of the door because he was just he was just going to run away. But he, he really knew what he was doing, and he paid attention, and he came back in. We had to teach him to take the garbage out and then come back inside without being prompted. <laughs> you can't just find something interesting and walk on down the block and pet the dog. You gotta come back inside and find out what your next task is. Then we graduated slowly to working around stuff in the kitchen. You know, if it was hot, taking things in and out of the oven so he would get used to being around hot things or um, if I was cooking chicken nuggets on the stove or, you know, boiling them in oil so that he would understand because he wanted to do French fries. That's all I wanted to do. He just wanted that job. And then we must have photocopied 500 McDonald's applications so that he could practice filling them out himself. And then the other thing was he had a deadline for being hired. He wanted to be hired on his 16th birthday. Wow. And, and he's just one of those kids that once he's got it in his head, he's just, that's what we're doing. Like he wants to travel all around the world. And so I remember one time he... <laughs> 
<laughs> one time he asked me when we could go to Cairo. I told him, I said, we can go to Cairo on, you know, June 16th, 2012, because it was like four years away or something. I remember this. You remember this? And so he shows up at the bottom of the stairs on June 16th, 2012 with a packed suitcase. And he's like, what time is our flight to Cairo? I was like, what? We're not going to Cairo. <laughs> he was like, well, you told me. And then whatever date it was that I had told him we were going to Cairo. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> that was a big fat mistruth. We are not going to Cairo. So, you know, I knew that he had it set on that date and it was just, it was going to happen, period. And the thing that was good was that he was motivated. He really wanted this job. He really wanted to have a typical teenage experience and he really wanted to carry on the family tradition of making French fries as your first job. So we also knowing that he was going to be taking the garbage around and that he had massive sensory issues, my goal was to get him hired. But I, I think this is really important, and this wasn't cruel. This was actually a very appropriate, what you're about to share with our audience, the um, example of training, because the reality is at any point as a mom, if he would have made the decision that he wanted to do a different job, you would have supported him on that. I would but, have. What you, but what you didn't want to do is put him in a position where he would fail and he needed to know all of the aspects and attributes of what this job entailed. So tell our listeners what you worked on with Liam. <laughs> so we live in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. It gets very, very hot here in the summer and garbage is unpleasant in the summer. And our family has a genetic disorder with gag reflexes with regard to strong smells. So we drove around to almost 30 McDonald's smelling the garbage can. <laughs> We would get out and we would ask the managers, can he please go and complimentary, can he throw away a bag of, and you know, the first time he did it, he just threw right up on the sidewalk because it's terrible. I mean, all that milkshake stuff, it's disgusting. So he was determined to do it. And I said, do you want to try it again? He's like, yes. So we desensitized him to, you know, bad smells. And we also, um, the other thing we had to desensitize him to this took a lot of practice, was getting him not to yell at people if they decided they wanted onions on their hamburger because he hates onions more than anything. He hates onions. Like, I can't even describe to you. And um, and one of his first shirts that they gave him when he got his job was, you know, when life gives you onions, make a Big Mac or something. He came home and was like, can you believe I've got this shirt with onions on it? Are you serious? But... <laughs> We literally ran drills with him saying, I would like a hamburger with, you know, extra onions and some mustard on it. And he would, he would look at us like, that's disgusting. And he, would, and he would say, that's disgusting. Why would you want that? Nobody wants that. Everybody wants a hamburger with pickles and ketchup on it. What are you talking about? And so eventually he was desensitized to that. And he realized that people have a right to choose cherry or apple pie. Cause I didn't want him to come over and yell at customers, you know, saying, you're wrong. You're ordering the wrong orders. You, you no one wants to eat that, you know? So, um, so anyway, um, and then I went down and I met with the manager at the, he wanted to work at a specific McDonald's. He wanted to apply for his job on the 16th birthday. He wanted to get the job on the 16th birthday. The end. And he'd been working for three years on all these different skills to be able to do this. 
That is amazing. And the diligence on both sides and, and yay, Liam. I mean, that to me is so exciting because it's so hard with so many of our kids to stimulate any kind of intrinsic motivation, especially when it comes to work or to some life skills. And so for him to have had that naturally is such a blessing. But then to see how you fostered and shaped that to make sure he had the opportunity and to, to cross all the T's off and dot the I's for him to have that full experience is exciting. And I think that it's important for all parents when you have a child with a disability to have high expectations for your child. And it, it may end up that it looks a little different, but to have those expectations. So what happened? So you go and you meet so, with the manager ahead of time. I went in and I just said, look, I'm going to bring my son in. He would like to apply for a job if you all have any openings. He's really interested in making french fries only, and we have trained for that. And I didn't disclose his exceptionality, but I said, you know, he's got an exceptionality, and he's been working on this for three years for this day to come. So he gets there, and he walks in, and I had sat in a booth because I wanted him to experience this by himself, and he went up and asked for an application, just like we had practiced at the other McDonald's. and he filled out his application and then he brought it back to the lady and he said, you know, I'd like to ask if I could speak with the manager while I'm here. And they brought her out and they sat down and she asked him a bunch of questions and he answered the questions that she asked because we had taken him, in addition to the trash runs, <laughs> we had taken him to visit with other managers at other places. One of the best ones when we went to this uh, McDonald's that was in another county, we have parishes here, but in another parish, um, the manager said, Liam, what kind of job would you like to do here at McDonald's? And he says, do you have a desk? And the guy said, yes. And he goes, well, I want to sit back there at that desk and put my feet up on that desk and say, hey, you guys, get back to work. <laughs> so he's got management aspirations. <laughs> That's amazing. And I can't even fathom what that manager thought, but how exciting. And that also speaks to, it also speaks to the impact that what our children watch and what they think they should do or that motivates them to do that, that that plays a huge role in shaping them. Completely. I'm pretty sure that was on a SpongeBob episode. So anyway, he aces his little interview and then um, she extends the job to him. So on his 16th birthday, he was hired to work at McDonald's to work on French fries. And he's getting ready to celebrate his eighth anniversary uh, a little bit later on this month. And he has really grown. It's been great for him to be able to have his own money, which has given him a certain level of independence to be able to, you know, argue with me at the grocery store. If I don't want to pay for something, he's like, well, I'm just going to pay for it myself. If I want to eat blueberry muffins, I'm going to buy them because it's my money. Or he likes to buy his little, he loves every as seen on TV product that's ever been made. So we have a large collection of those. And Legos, you know, he was using this to help support his Lego habit. And, you know, it's just given him some independence. It's definitely given him good skills. It's given him good people skills. There were lots of bumps and bruises through the first couple of years. We had some on-the-job learning things. We had to learn how to deal with turnover and management. And we just approached it as a family with gifts of sweet foods, I'd show up and I'd be like, here's another set of cupcakes because we've got a new manager. So let's be friends with the manager so that we can keep 
you know, doing stuff. We eventually, um, we found that it was helpful to get him on a set schedule. So he works Wednesday, Thursday, Friday from 11 to 4 now that he's out of high school. But it helped getting him on a very specific schedule um, so that he knew what to expect every week. Um, but he manages everything now. Like if he needs a day off because we're going to do something or going on vacation or whatever, he totally manages those conversations with his um, boss. And his boss that he has right now really loves him and has been helping Liam expand and <laughs> finally he's expanding and everybody's embraced him and, and he helps with the drive-through orders and he helps make the iced tea and he helps unload the truck and he helps clean up the uh clean up the lobby and he does take out the trash which he doesn't really care for but um, but he does it and they're looking at maybe hiring another kid to come in through a program that we're working with here in Baton Rouge to come in on Thursday afternoons to do French fries, to give Liam a peer mentoring opportunity because his managers had so much fun working with him that he's like, you know, let's, I, I had broached that topic and said, look, we've got a kid that we could probably place. And he said, absolutely bring him over and we'll let Liam, you know, kind of peer supervise him. So that's great. And he's saving his money because now he's decided he does not want to work in fast food the rest of his life. And he has developed a career aspiration. He wants to be a baker and he wants to have his own little baked goods business. So he's taking the money that he makes and he's investing that into his side business. That he hopes to grow. I just think it's amazing to see the longevity and consistency is so important for our kiddos. Like where my son, where Jake lives, there's over six years he's seen employees come and go and you can see how it traumatizes them from the continuity the relationship and the rapport that they build and i and i don't know if liam has experienced those same emotions or issues but i know for jake while it hasn't been him working for someone it's been people who work with him and even to this day he can go through and name the people that he misses and say where they went, if he knows where they went, or he'll ask if they're coming back. And so to see the longevity and kudos to McDonald's, kudos to, there are many, many businesses that we're seeing that make an active attempt to include our loved ones with various disabilities. Uh, here in Texas, we see Kroger, the grocery store chain has done a phenomenal job of embracing individuals with different disabilities and whether it be autism and such. And so it's just encouraging to see how your story and with Liam starting out and being told the same thing, there's no job, there's no function, there's no purpose for him. And, and I know personally from, from being in your home and from spending time with him, to hear the perspective and the words and the things that come from that sweet boy's mouth that are, are just mind blowing when he's talking about feelings and emotions and labeling things that are good or bad or people and, and characters and, and why they should have been more thoughtful. And it's just, it's been a joy to get to see. And, and, you know, when we started out and I introduced you, I didn't share even a, an ooch of, of all the activities and the things you've done, but to see how not only you've been a leader 
in business and in the autism community, but to see how you have executed that level of tenacity and commitment, not only in the, the business world and the community, but for your son's life and to see where Liam's at is, is very encouraging. And I'm hoping that the parents that listen today, you know what, they may have a 24-year-old that is just learning to communicate. Like we're working mm -hmm. on additional ways for Jake to communicate more effectively. It may be somebody that just received a diagnosis of two and a half and the child has no eye contact, no verbalizations, is in their own world, and they may have been told the same thing we were told. And so for people today to know that, that that's where you were, that's where I was, and that the outcomes look very different for our children, but the one thing that is the same is our kids did excel. Our children did go past because we believed, we had the faith and the determination to believe the what if and the why not. Right. And, and why not? Why, why not see if this will work? And I, there's only one other thing that I was going to say because, you know, I have had, there have been parents in the community before who have been like, well, I don't want my kid to work only at a fast food restaurant, or I don't want my kid to only work in a minimum wage job. And, um, and kind of disparaged uh, the success that Liam's had with that. And so if there's anybody out there that's thinking, you know, I don't want my kid to work in that kind of job, I have higher aspirations for my kid, that's fine. And I think that's great. I have also got higher aspirations for Liam as well but I started out working at a Burger King and worked my way up and I waitressed all through college so you know Liam's right on target with starting to you know if he had had a five-year college plan <laughs> five or six-year college plan which there's plenty of kids these days that do that you know he's exiting on target with you know, and moving into this little entrepreneurial venture that he's, that he's trying to get started, you know, that is developmentally appropriate. But if we had skipped that just because we had held our nose and said, no, we're not going to take this dumb job at this fast food restaurant. He's got a resume. He has an actual resume and he can say, I've worked at the same place for eight years. There's a lot of 24 year olds that can't say that. So Absolutely. And I think that the, the takeaway is that in all the things that we're teaching our children and in every opportunity, they're all building blocks. That's really what we're looking at is they're building blocks to moving them forward to that next phase in their life. And I just, I think it's miraculous and I'm excited. I'm, I'm thrilled that we got to learn more about Liam's story and share that with the listeners today. And I'm really excited to have you back to talk about so many other topics. When we talk about autism awareness and grassroots movement. You know, Shelly, tell the listeners that you were the national director of grassroots development for Autism Speaks for nine years. And so you were involved with a really key group of people that brought awareness to autism from a different perspective and different level. And so knowing your history and then making the, the changes that you have and helping to move initiatives politically has been a tremendous blessing for, for all of us across this country and not just in Louisiana, but in many of the states. So I'm excited to have you come back and us talk more about some of the different projects and legislation and things that are relevant to every single person, not just a person with autism, 
but every single person that loves, lives, sleeps, you know, cares about, you know, family members, a child, people in your community, anyone with a disability or is needing additional supports. And so I, I'm excited that we're going to be able to talk more about topics that are going to change lives and move mountains. I'm so thankful that you're doing this because I think that message needs to get out, especially to the younger moms that, um, younger moms and dads and the siblings that you'll impact with this show. I think that this, it's just really important for them to hear that there's something beyond what's happening in your world today and to help them be able to create a pathway and create a vision to move forward. And you being brave enough to step out there and say, hey, I'm going to do this thing. I'm just really proud of you for doing that. And the work that we've always done through our family, we decided long ago when Liam was little that if we were going to have to work on something to make it work for Liam, we were going to learn everything about what we were doing so that we could make that a replicable path for other people no matter what no matter what it was that we were doing because we were like we're not the only ones getting out of the weeds I mean we're all you know we're all going to do this together (laughs) yeah and I I agree with you complete love and sometimes it's been frustrating but it's mostly been very joyful to be able to as we work on these things to be able to hopefully help create those pathways. I mean, both of us working together have done that for a long time. And and we are blessed with continuing opportunities (laughs) to figure out new pathways. It just never seems to end. Well, you know what we say is that you have to be careful what you ask for, right? And so to maintain the level of gratitude that we have continuously asked for the opportunity to make a difference and make a way for people because we're living this. And just like you said, if these events, if these obstacles, if these barriers can bring us to our knees, then we know that we're not alone. No. So, well, until next time, I look forward to having you back. And we ask everyone that's listening to click like, shoot some feedback to us either on our Facebook, um, Twitter, and so on, and follow us and just keep an ear to what we have to say, because I promise you with the exceptional people that we're going to continue to have as guests on Connected with Micah Bradford, it will encourage you and change your life. So until next time, have a wonderful day. Thank you.